and thank you for listening to the Life with Behavior Analysis podcast in conjunction with the ABA Task Force. I'm your host, Ms. J, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Let's dig in and do life together with behavior analysis. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Life with Behavior Analysis podcast in conjunction with the ABA Task Force. We're so happy that you joined us today because we have a new segment that we are doing called the Business Roundtable. And with the Business Roundtable, we're getting um, business owners from different walks of life, from different positions in their in their respective fields and their respective businesses, to give you an insight into what it's like to own your own company, what tips, tricks, and and guidance that they can give to um, to budding business owners and even business owners who've been in the field or who have had their businesses for many many years now. So. I want you guys to welcome our very, very esteemed and special guests. They'll introduce themselves, say their business, make sure you check them out on social media. And let's get this podcast started. Today, we're going to be talking about the basics, the startup, and the liftoff. So first, I would like Miss Jennifer to introduce herself with Miss, and please forgive me if I say it wrong, Mariah. You got it right. Yay, I got it right. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Mariah of Rooted in Play, if you guys would introduce yourselves and then we'll go around our round ta- virtual roundtable introducing ourselves in the business. So go ahead, guys, take it away. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having us. We're so happy to be here today and to share some of our insight with everyone. Uh, my name is Jennifer Eaton. My name is Mariah Half. And we are the owners of Rooted in Play. We started our company in 2015. Five years. So we just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) It was a big one. Um, We, uh, I have been a BCBA since 2013. I've been a BCBA since 2009. Nice. Nice. But in the field for many more years than that as well. Of course, before they called them, called us RBTs and before we had that special designation. (laughs) I was telling that story the other day. I was like, wait, what was I when I first started in ABA? I don't even remember. (laughs) Right. No RBT. Was I a BI? Was I just up there? I don't know. (laughs) It was like, we were something. We were just helping the the kids that we were given charge over. (laughs) Who wants to go next introducing themselves? Miss Lakeisha, Miss Jessica, feel free to jump in. I can go. Um, so my name is Lakeisha Caltez. I am the owner of Key Essentials to Be Ever Management. We are in Southern California. Um, and I have been in business. I started off pretty by myself in 2016. Um, and I actually started my business before I actually passed my BCBA. <laughs> so I passed my, I passed my BCBA exam on, in August of 2016. Um, so I guess I was just like ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to do this. I'm going to pass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Miss Jessica. Hi, uh, my name is Jessica File, and I am a co-owner for Bella Vista Behavior Services located in the Central Valley of California. And uh, we opened our doors in uh, July 2020. 14. Uh, and so we are about six and a half years old. Nice. Um, 
I've been a BCBA since 2012 and then in the field since uh, 2006, back when the Wiggles were popular. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the Wiggles. Oh my gosh, I had a client who still to this day listens to the Wiggles. So I know like all the songs. <laughs> I have a close friend that has a daughter who's a year and a half and she just sent us the screenshot of her favorite playlist from 2020 and the Wiggles were at the top. Of course. <laughs> Of course, you have to have the wiggles. <laughs> I'm surprised they do they still make music for kids? I don't know I don't if it's know. new or if it's older music and they just enjoy I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. This, I'm going to have to look that up for some of my kiddos to see what I can find out there. But aside from the wiggles. <laughs> um, today I want to talk about like I said earlier, the basics of startup and the lift off of a an ABA business. So when you guys first started your businesses or were thinking about starting a business, what were some of the ideals that you had for your company? Like some of the visions that you had, some of the um, just things that you wanted to do that was just different from where you probably came from before. Anybody can jump in. Um, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Mariah and I also have, um, extensive experience. She's from New York. I lived in New York for many years. And when I was getting my BCPA, I was kind of in private practice there. And it's, it's more common on the East coast for the BCBA to be the one that's providing services mm-hmm. and then fade out and you, you know, develop a team and then, you know, they become a supervisor essentially. But more so, the BCBA is really, really involved and on the floor a lot, more often than not, I'd say. Um, so when I was looking to move here in 2015, we, Mariah had been working at, a, at an agency, and we had just kind of decided that we wanted to try to bring that business model from the East Coast to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fearful that I was going to come to California and only be a supervisor, which is a beautiful job in and of itself, but I really wanted to stay on the front lines as well. Right. And I had been here in California for about six years practicing as a supervisor, mm-hmm. and I went through a few different companies, the bigger, more corporate structures, and mm-hmm. really wasn't satisfied with the way I was asked to do the type of training with the amount of clients and the amount of therapists that I had. Mm-hmm. I really, really missed being one-on-one with my kiddos. Yeah. So right. when Jen decided to come to New York or come from New York to back to California, we decided it was time to give that model a try and see if it would work here. Yeah. So essentially we, as the BCBAs, we do the assessment, obviously we develop the programs. Um, but then we really start the programs and we do the mm-hmm. direct teaching, the direct teaching with the parents, with the students. Uh, and then we develop a team and bring on an RBT and train them specifically to take over and work with us. And we still see a client, we still see our clients, um, for a direct session at, at minimum, at least once, once a week. Okay. Um, but it starts usually with us and then we kind of tailor it to bring on additional team members. So that was kind of our vision and it kind of organically happened that way. Nice. Um, yeah. So we were doing more of the direct work initially and then we, you know, we hired and have amazing team members that we're so mm-hmm. grateful for now. And so we're able to kind of, um, balance the direct work with between ourselves and with our staff as well. Awesome. That is really awesome. I, um, being on the only one on the podcast from the East coast, <laughs> I know the exact model that you're speaking of where, you know, it's more, it seems more involved, but then you do have those companies who have 
I guess what the West Coast has where, you know, you're in a supervisory role as the BCBA and you don't have as much floor time or one-on-one time with your clients as you used to. So you get, sometimes you get a little rusty, Um, but, you know, you still strive to do the very best that you can. So Ms. Lakeisha, Ms. Jessica, um, for you guys, what were some of the organic things that you were looking to build when you started your, um, your businesses? Um, I can go ahead and go. I had, um, I had worked for several agencies, uh, across Southern California. Um, I, my first agency was, uh, out of, uh, LA area basically. And then I went down to San Diego, worked for a couple of companies there while I was getting my um, graduate degree. And then my ultimate goal was always to come back home, which is um, in the Central Valley. And I wanted to to start a business. That was, that was always something that I wanted to do um, from, I was I don't know, maybe seven years old. Like I wanted to do something big. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really big thing is I wanted to be a pediatrician and that didn't work out. Right. The industry was really hard. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, the dream kind of changed from there. And then as I um, ended up moving back to uh, the Central Valley, I found a company, I was working for a company. It was, it was really great. There were some things that I was like, yeah, I, I would do this differently. Mm-hmm. My thought was like, I'd grow in the company and then kind of help change things. Um, that ended up not working out because the company actually folded. And when that happened, I had an opportunity, right? I had only been a BCBA for two years and I'm like, okay, this isn't quite where I wanted to be when I started my business, Mm -hmm. but this is what I think needs to happen right now. Everything was just falling into place. Um, so I took my retirement and I pulled that out and lived on that for a couple of months, um, had a couple of other colleagues together, and we put this together. And some of the things that I was looking for in, in my business, I wanted a high value placed on training. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that everywhere that I worked. I wanted um, a high value placed on low caseloads. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in one of my previous companies, I was working with... Um, 22 different clients and I had over 200 uh, supervision hours that I was responsible for. Oh, wow. And there's not even enough time to do 200 no, hours in a all. month. <laughs> um, and, and so those were some of the demands that were getting placed on, on people in a lot of these companies. And, and I didn't want to be the kind of company that did that. And so mm-hmm. um, low caseloads was a big thing. Uh, another thing that I saw happen very frequently was just a low number of contacts between the mm-hmm. supervisor and the family. Um, So a lot of families we would work with, they, they would be very surprised, like, oh, you're back. Right. (laughs) We come every week or, or if we come twice a week, they're like, oh my gosh, am I in trouble? Did I do something wrong? It's like, no, we're here to support you, support your staff and, and that kind of thing. So those are some of the, the big values that, um, I really wanted to, to kind of instill in my agency Mm -hmm. along with a, a sense of family. And I think, um, that's really what's kind of kept our agency going, especially through COVID and, you know, we shut down and, started to back up and potentially going to shut down again, you know, things like that. And I think because we've developed this culture of, of a family within our agency stayed relatively small. Um, it's, it's helped us survive and, and kind of push through these, these tougher times. So, okay. Wow. That's awesome. That is very awesome. Awesome. Miss Lakeisha, it's on you. 
I know, right? Like, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> um, so I, I guess my idea was a little different. So I come from working in the school district. So I okay. spent, uh, man, I think I started when I was like 21. I was a preschool teacher and then I worked for uh, Los Angeles County Office of Education which is one of, at the time, one of the biggest special education departments. Mm -hmm. And so when I got into this field, it was a huge, a high, I guess, um, value on autism. Right. Right. And so, um, and that, and that wasn't what I was used to being in the school district because in the school district as a paraeducator, pretty much doing the same, you know, duties as either a technician or an RBT, then we work with all kids that had disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so when I started my business, you know, that was one of the things that I wanted to do was make sure that we encompass all children that mm-hmm. had disabilities and not just autism. So I, I, I almost, you know, cringe a little bit when people were like, oh, yeah, you're an autism company. And I'm like, no, right. No, we're not. <laughs> gotcha. You know, we work with all disabilities. The other thing that's a little different from when I started is I don't just work with small children. I work with actually children from three to adults. So we have, you know, 40 something year olds. And then I also saw that there was a lack uh, parent training and parent mm-hmm. accountability. And I think that was where, you know, I, I I have a really strong personality. So, and I also wanted to make sure that our staff felt supported. Right. And so those were some of the main reasons as to why I opened up my own business. One, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not really too keen on people telling me what to do. Um, so so that was number one (laughs) you know coming in at a close second is um you know I I am black you know african-american and I wanted to make sure that our staff and our and minorities just in general (laughs) felt like they knew and seen people that look like them in these positions because you know, as I was moving through the ranks, it was, it was, you know, you go through these small little, you know, micro discrimination, you know, right, oh, she doesn't right. smile enough or, you know, and so I wanted to make sure that our staff felt supported. So we place a lot of emphasis on leadership and placing people in the positions where they're strong, right. you know, and yes, our clients are at the forefront, but even more higher than our clients is our um, our employees, because right. those, are, those are the ones that if they're happy, then our clients are going to be happy. And I think a lot of companies, that wasn't the case. It was like, okay, if the client's not happy, then our, our business is going to fail. And, you know, right. and I, I'm total opposite. You can't, you know, there, there are definitely things that you cannot do. And if, and it's cause for, you know, termination, which is disrespecting our, our staff, you know, right, right. Sure that, you know, I try to make sure that they're put first, but also accountability. And so in starting this, that was one of my main reasons is one, so they can see people that look like them, mm-hmm. two, that they had the accountability from the top down, mm-hmm. you know, and felt supported. And three, just putting people in places where, you know, um, where they their strong suit is not just, oh, OK, you're a BI or you're a RBT and, you know, just saying, OK, well, then that's your role. 
but looking more into where is it that you want to go? Where do you want to be? Is this a role that you want to stay in long term? And so right. those are those are some of the things that one a lot of the reasons as to why I started my business. I just feel like, you know, I've been in special education and or working with children with disabilities or adults with disabilities my entire life. That's not going anywhere. Right. But right. the people that service them are the people that get the least amount of attention. Yeah. That's that's very true. That's why I think there's such a high turnover rate in in the field. And I mean, we that's a whole nother podcast episode <laughs> that we will talk about in the future. But I want to take it back. You guys told me your vision when you first started. You told me, you know, what was in your mind as, as to why this was such a, a, a groundbreaking thing for you to do. But let's navigate the the beginnings. So first, how in the world do you get started? So I, you guys are in business, you have your businesses. I admittedly do not have my own business yet. I'll put a yet on there because you never know what may happen. (laughs) But how do you even get started building your own business or your own ABA company? Where do you, where do you start? Do you start with I mean, you know, you have to do your, you know, your legal stuff and all that kind of stuff. But how would I get started? Um, I can start with this because uh, my start was was really rushed. I got a two month notice, right, that we were getting laid off. Mm -hmm. And um, although the prior month I had just started talking to a colleague, you know, hey, maybe we could do this on our own. You know, let's start to, you know, talk about this a little bit more. Um, And then the next month we get laid off. And so then I go back to him and I'm like, okay, yeah, we really need to do this. And so as soon as, you know, we got that, we got called into that meeting, we got that pink slip, we went out to lunch Um, afterwards. We didn't even go back to work. Uh, We went out to lunch, (laughs) um, a group of us, and we basically started planning right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I did is through those entire two months, I researched everything possible, um, every single night. So I worked my 14 hours that I was working every day mm-hmm. um, and then would go home and research until one, two in the morning and start putting everything together, putting a budget together, putting a startup plan together, putting a program design together, um, figuring out, you know, some of the things that I really liked, like creating data sheets and mm-hmm. how how that was going to look. And then some of the things I didn't like so much, like money and, you know, how much things were going to cost. And right. that wasn't my strong point. And so I was really glad that I had um, other people to help me get started because some of those things I just wasn't, I'm, I'm not great at, I'm not great right, at money. Right. Um, if I, if I owned the company by myself, I probably would have gone bankrupt because I just give everything away. Um, <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think it's, it's really important to, to be able, if you don't have that within yourself, you got to make sure that you've got somebody who can keep you in line because a lot of times as BCBAs or people working in, in a service field, we do it because it's in our heart. We want to help people and we're constantly wanting to help people, even if that's to our own personal detriment or the detriment of our company. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you definitely need to find people who are going to, you know, help you stick to that plan so you can continue helping more and more people. So Um, I have a follow up question for you. mm -hmm. So in your planning process, what what kinds of things did you look for or what kinds of things were you researching? Were you researching like how to 
um, file for your LLC? What were what kind of things were you doing? Yeah, so I did research on different business models. So mm-hmm. what kind of business model uh, did we need to take? Was it going to be uh, a partnership? Was it going to be LLC? Did, were we going to want to do an S-Corp? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of figured out which one I liked best. Um, then I went into, okay, so how do you just start a business? I did a lot of just that kind of research. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of things do we need to look for? Um, and then the the financial part. So that was something really important is how are you going to make sure that you can keep going um, while you're getting clients and that kind of stuff. Um, Luckily here in California, we had the regional centers and this was pre-insurance coverage. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I knew there wasn't going to be a problem getting clients. I had built very good relationships with our service coordinators. And so they knew me as a supervisor. They knew the work that I did. Mm -hmm. So we knew that once we started our own thing, we were going to be able to get the clients once we got our program design approved. Um, So getting the clients wasn't going to be difficult. It was just figuring out all the little steps that we had to take. And I tend to perseverate um, on things sometimes, gotcha. and, uh, especially when it's something that really, really interests me all of a mm. sudden, I will spend a good like three months just doing that one thing and gotcha. everything else falls back. Um and so I, I did. I just perseverated. I, I would look at everything I could find. I signed up to like business newsletters online and I would research other companies, you know, look at their websites. Mm-hmm. Um, I made sure to stay on top of like APBA. Yeah. Uh, they had a, a good um, guide for starting a business, uh, looking at the BACB. They had mm-hmm. a website with their guidelines. Um, and so bringing all of those things in organizing it into this nice little binder I had. Uh-huh. Um, and then when I was ready to go and I, and I had my, my other people who were going to start with me, I'm like, okay, here guys, here's the plan. This is what we can do. This is how much money we're going to need. What can we do? Um, right. And then, and then it just kind of went from there. Wow. Okay. So what about you, Miss Lakeisha, you, Miss Jennifer, Miss Mariah, what was your planning process? What, how did you begin I can tell you that I'm I'm part of the Just Do It Club. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. You sounded very organized, Jessica. We were the opposite. (laughs) Like if I just had somebody like Jessica on my team, man, Um, (laughs) I'm definitely part of the Just Do It Club. Um, Mine was I didn't do a whole whole lot of research. I was already on, you know, um, part of the. ABA um, business builders. And mm-hmm. so I would go and see what was the most common questions asked. Um, and so I went straight to legal zoom and I was like, I go to experts. So <laughs> right. I don't know how to do it. I don't have any partners. So it's just me. So it's just like, okay, well, what, what needs to be done? Um, so I need to get my EIN number. I need mm-hmm. to do this. I need to do this. Okay. Well, who has the best information about X, Y, and Z? Um, so I went straight to LegalZoom. I want to S-Corp. This is how I want it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was, it was pretty seamless going to LegalZoom. Does it cost more money? Absolutely. But it was right. just somebody else to take care of it. I didn't, I didn't have to worry about that one thing. Um, and as we're, as I was moving through the process, I had already 
been to a few different ABA companies. Mm-hmm. So for me, in the way that my brain works, it was like, okay, well, I already know how to do program. Right. I already know how to do all of the other things. So if I take right. that information and compile it all together, then now I'm able to make, you know, um, my data sheets and everything right. else that I need. So the clinician part of, of it was the simple part that right. you do because it's what you do on the already, yeah, regular basis. Done it. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it is what you don't know. So what do I need to know for HR? So that right. was that was one of the areas where I was like, okay, who do I know that's in HR? That was where my mind went first. Mm-hmm. Do I know anybody? And then the ask around. Okay. Um, do I need someone full-time? Do I need someone part-time or do I just need a consultant? Mm-hmm. And that was key because everybody that I hired on in the beginning were just consultants. They weren't full on people that, you know, you employed. It's just, Hey, I need, you know, an employee handbook. Um, And I need, you know, to make sure that I I, I meet OSHA regulations. Do I need an office? And what does that look like? So all the logistics that kind of go with those different people and just like Jessica, okay, I need a bookkeeper or an accountant. How many hours do I need? Okay, I'm only having about 10 people. So I'm mm-hmm. only got, I only need you for this many hours. So I was a person that said, okay, this is how you do stuff. Cool. Mm-hmm. You're going to go do that. And this is how much I'm going to pay you to do that. Right, right. right. And even still today, having been, you know, going on um, my fourth year or coming out of my fourth year of business, um, I still don't have a full-time accountant because you don't, necessarily need one right right right. I have an accountant that comes in once a week Um, my HR director kind of doubles as my office manager so there's a lot of things that people think that they need and Mm -hmm. they really don't and a couple of people can take those you know okay so it was more planning the structures how is this going to go are we going to have the you know parents um and staff coordinate their schedules. Well, I personally don't like that, right? Just because it brings in some other, you know, variables uh, here. And there. <laughs> variables, yeah. <laughs> so you know, and how much are you going to put out? So I probably went maybe not the same route as some people because I, I probably spent more, mm-hmm. but I also knew going in that I wanted to scale my business from the start. I knew specifically that I I was not going to, I'm more of a business owner than I am a clinician. Right. But if I need to step in, I'm able to do that. And so because I knew that I scaled my business from the start. So I've never worked one-to-one in my business because I knew that there's a one-to-one and then I have my mid-level staff and then Mm -hmm. I was the BCBA. Right. That was, you know, but that's how we did it. And even now, as we, we progress, I I um, have been able to step back and actually just be the clinical director and right. everybody else. And if I stopped doing it today, it would it would run. That's awesome. Seamlessly. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So you bring up something that I'll I'll come back to. But I want you guys also to think of your systems. Um, because I think that's important to have is, is your systems in place. But we'll talk to Ms. Jennifer and Ms. Mariah first about um, just some of those things that you guys did as well, as the, the planning steps and, and what kind of route you guys took. 
Well, I just want to say, first of all, Lakeisha, your shirt is awesome. I just yeah. that. <laughs> she has, so for those that um, are listening, she has on a shirt that says clinician CEO and it has clinician, is clinician just marked out? Yes, it's just a yeah. line. Yeah, so clinician, clinician is marked out and it says CEO on the bottom and it is absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yes, I just noticed that. It's great. Um, yeah, I mean, we are similar to Lakeisha, the just do it model. Um you know, I had some policies and contracts, et cetera, that I kind of brought from New York, but we Mm -hmm. really individualized them for our purposes, Mm -hmm. but it was really the same thing, you know, figure out your tax structure, Mm -hmm. get your EIN, get your business license. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once all of that is set up, then you go in and figure out what, you what your vision is what your mm-hmm. philosophy is our what mission statement yeah our mission statement mm-hmm. um how we want to service um how we want to train what we feel is the most important your values for your company right, right? Mm-hmm. um because we are very much believe too that you know this is a very intimate field it is and it's you work very very closely with a lot of families you're in their homes mm-hmm. um you know it's a very very intimate field and so we wanted to create a very warm loving nurturing kind of approach if you will where families feel comfortable with us where they right. feel that they're getting the quality that they that they desire right and that they can come to us with anything big or small and that's not to say that things are easy because we right. definitely have tricky times too um you know and that just kind of comes with it but I I think the other thing that's really important too is that is having a partner yeah. um yeah. there's definitely things kind of like you said as well Jessica that I am strong with, and then mm-hmm. I'm not strong with, and then there's the same with Mariah that mm-hmm. she she picks up where I'm not strong, and, right. and vice versa. Vice versa. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's moments where if I feel that I can't do something, and the same with her, that we can really support each other and mm-hmm. guide each other and and help get through those tougher times, if you will. Right. Um, because as a business owner, but also a clinician, sometimes it's hard to separate that role. Right. 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 And have that, that boundary and that work-life balance. Um, so originally we did everything ourselves. We did all of our policies, all of our billing, all of our admin, everything. Um, but then we started to grow and Mm -hmm. that got too difficult to really balance the two. Mm -hmm. And for us, because we're so different in California, we're out of network providers versus providers. So we're not credentialed with the insurance companies. So we had the whole extra battle of, how do we get our families reimbursed for the services right. we're providing? Right. So we really relied on the contacts that we had here mm-hmm. in California. I had been out here for almost six years before we started the business, and we knew a lot of people who had either started their own or had companies to help ABA businesses start their okay. own. Okay. So we really relied on Kim. We really relied on um, Avon, who's our insurance biller, and those people to help kind of guide us through the parts that we weren't very sure of. Right. And then we also collaborated with ad- additional service members. So okay. each therapist, psychologist, um, occupational therapist that had their own businesses and really spoke to them about what their structure kind of looks like okay. and how we can also kind of replicate it here in California. Um, even though it's a little bit different, obviously, because the right. services right are different, but just speaking to other business owners to really help us understand like 
what do we do? Right, right. <laughs> you know, we know we want to do this, but what do we do? How do right. we do it? How do we do it? Um, and really meeting with a lot of people that are in the field to help set us up as well was was really, really beneficial. Um, legal Zoom, same. We did, you know, the same yeah. exact route. That was kind of like a rip the bandaid off, one stop yeah. shop. Yep, here it is. <laughs> then we didn't do up, it for me. <laughs> but then we ended up rebranding three years later. We did. We actually just went through a rebranding last year. As we got to know more of our synergy and the culture of our Mm -hmm. company and what we really wanted to focus on, the name that we had come up with previously didn't fit that model. So we met with a um, professional who was in charge of branding, and she helped us come up with the organic name Rooted in Play. She helped us come up with our website, which really helped us develop our personality as not only business owners, but also clinicians slash business owners. Yeah, okay. we we really wanted a very, I mean, we were talking about this offline the other day, but we really wanted a child family centered approach right. that at the core of what we do, we want families to walk through the door, somebody that doesn't even know us mm-hmm. and think, hey, they're just playing. Right. And right. that looks that. fun. And we, I mean, half the time Mariah and I are singing and dancing and twirling and spinning and blowing bubbles. And <laughs> I mean, I, I always tell, I told her an RBT the other day, I'm like, just be an actor. Just be an right, actor. Right. Just play. Just get on the floor and just play. Um, and so when we were rebranding, you know, we really wanted play to be in our name because we okay. feel that at the core of what we do, that's really... It, it, it's important. It's yeah. so important. And, um, you know, yesterday we are playing peekaboo and playing with beans and however you can find something that is motivating to the child mm-hmm. to use to help be a teachable moment. That's really what our philosophy is. And we wanted to bring that to not only our staff, but our mm-hmm. families as well. Yeah. Um, so we did that first. And then as we started to grow, that's when we started creating our billing policy and mm-hmm. our, we had a client contract with our informed consent, of course, yeah. but yeah, everything but, else yeah, fell in had line to little by little as yeah. it came, as we needed it to. Right. Yeah. So with everything that you guys just said, how in the world did you develop systems? Because of course there has to be some type of system to, cause you can't do everything all at once. So how did you guys, I guess, learn or, or read upon developing systems for your companies? Do you want to go Jessica since you? Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> Go in order. I, <laughs> sure. I um, so systems were were kind of difficult for mm-hmm. us. Um, that that seemed to be something that was really hard for us all around because what ended up happening is I did I did a lot. I did mm-hmm. I did all the billing in the beginning. I did all the um, the payroll in the beginning. I I I wore every single hat as right. they say. Hard, but, isn't it? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes. not to interject, but we did the same. It was hard. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of the same, like we were still the clinicians. Like I mm-hmm. I was still supervising cases. I had a caseload of direct supervision. I wasn't down on the floor um, as often, but I I was still, you know, going to homes and seeing families and doing Mm -hmm. parent training and all of that stuff while doing all of this other stuff, you know, when I came home. Um, 
And so once we we started to grow, obviously there was that need. Okay, we got to put people in places so that they can start doing some of the things that we're doing. Um, And so we did. We we hired an office person, and that was kind of the first thing that that helped us. Okay, so she started to organize uh, things within the office, and I Mm -hmm. really worked to give people the autonomy to create their own systems that that would work. And so um, over time, and it's taken a while because I think. Uh, me and my partner, we tend to be the kind of people who um, who don't want to give up that control. Right. Like we need to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when I when I gave up for <laughs> billing, I I knew I was like you know making sure that all of the the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed, right? right? And making sure everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be. And then when you hand that over you kind of are like, okay, well, how do I know they're going to do exactly what I need them to do? You know, how am I going to make sure that they catch all of their mistakes that I would normally see, um, like as if we're perfect and we're not, um, <laughs> right? And so uh, it, it's really learning how to delegate. That's what's going to help you create mm-hmm. those systems. For me personally, that was difficult and it's still difficult. It's still hard for me to delegate things. I think I'm coming to another point where I'm going to have to start delegating like report reviewing. I still review every single report for our company. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know every single child personally. I've gone to see every single client. Right. Um, at least once a year, I have mm-hmm. seen every single client. Um, I do all of the supervision for BCBAs, for our mid-level staff, for our RBT staff. And so um, creating those systems, like I said, for me has been kind of more difficult. Um, understood, understood. So um, I, I think we still have a lot of work in terms of creating some of those systems, um, but it's getting there. I do have like a, a BCBA who um, is starting to take over some of the BCBA supervision. So for uh, those uh, gaining their their hours. And so mm-hmm. I'm not having to do it all anymore. Right. Um, just starting to feel really nice because I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm not sure I want to do that anymore. Right. <laughs> um, right. And there's these other things that I want to do. And I didn't have time to do them. And now, Mm -hmm. now I do. Um, so for us, it, it came on really slowly and I think it's still evolving and it's still growing. Um, so that's kind of how, how we've approached it. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. What's Lakeisha? How about you and your systems? So it is, um, really interesting because I am, I've always paid a attention to the little things that mm-hmm. are behind the scenes. And so because of that, I've been a part of a couple of major um, ABA companies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've always paid really good attention to how they did things. So the systems part for me wasn't as bad. Okay. Outside of the fact, outside of this lady uh, that I did work for, and she was just like, you know, you, I need you to take ownership. And I, and as a, you know, supervisor at the time, I was like, ownership, first of all, why would I take ownership? Right. <laughs> not my business. Right. <laughs> but it was a godsend, honestly, because mm-hmm. because she put me in a position to create and mm-hmm. bring on and manage systems in the mm-hmm. background. And it wasn't as hard to do it when it was my my turn. And okay. so I I actually teach all the time, like, hey, you need to delegate. You need to let go because you're not going to grow. I just read something yesterday that you can't do anything significantly if you don't have a team 
Right, right. <laughs> so I was just like, whoa, you know, because I've been saying that for a while. Um, and so I am I'm more of the type to say that I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to ring it back in. <laughs> um, and then we're going to try this all over again. Right. And then let's go ahead and let me show you how it how it's done. And so um, when I came in and I like I said, I had the luxury of dealing with different people to then create those systems for me like our HR phenomenal lady and she literally had everything and I didn't have to worry about it right whereas um, the clinical part I had you know, um, for accounting and billing, then it, what I didn't know, I brought somebody in and mm-hmm. then she just taught me everything that had to do with accounting and billing. And then, um, myself and, uh, my daughter who works with me, we did billing for a while and mm-hmm. then we ended up hiring someone. So now she does billing. And so okay. one of the things that keep me going right now is I have, um, monthly meetings with our admin staff and, okay. and and our clinical staff. So the things that I ask for in the admin staff are, I want to know how many clients do we have right now? Mm-hmm. How many clients are on hold, mm-hmm. right? How many clients are waiting? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one person that does scheduling. So okay. then she has her own set of things. And then I go to the case manager and she handles all cases incoming mm-hmm. and outbound. So how many cases do we have coming in? Mm-hmm. How many cases are um, do we have that terminated this month? Um, and so they all have their different roles, which mm-hmm. makes it so much easier because now I'm just getting the information and then right. I'm able to look at it on a bigger scale and mm-hmm. say, okay, this is what we need to do here. This is where I see this. And then I can then go in and do individual audits in those different right. areas to then tweak what needs to change. And so, mm-hmm. um, so the way that we've, you know, set that up has been pretty phenomenal. And then the next person that comes in just teaches the next person. Right. And then again, it makes it to where now I can just go in and I can audit Um, Mm -hmm. I was definitely where Jessica was um, about (laughs) eight or nine months ago where I was reviewing everything. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, that what I then started to do is I just started to record my process as I was doing it. So then I now can have a checkoff. And so when I transferred it, now they have a checkoff to what Mm -hmm. they're doing. And when I go in and spot check, you know, because maybe one out of um, every three reports that come through, they come through me first and Mm -hmm. then I can, and if I catch something. So, and we're deeply rooted in training. Right. So, you know, we train a lot. Like my, my mid-level staff and my BCBAs, we meet every three, three weeks. Mm -hmm. My admin, we meet once a month. And for our BIs, we have a two-hour meeting once a month for, Mm -hmm. you know, just stuff. So, yeah. (laughs) So we we, I try to make sure it's pretty tight, but, you know, and and also taking from other fields, you know, what do they do um, for marketing? What do they do for, you know, um, how can I create and automate this system a little better? Mm -hmm. So I've been very blessed with that. And then there's another, I don't know if you ladies know that are in California, there's an, um, autism business association. 
And so they have been instrumental in assisting and helping and guiding. And it's a network full of other ABA, big ABA providers that I've been able to call on if I ever need any assistance. Like, hey, are you experiencing the same problem? Mm -hmm. And that's been amazing. So I belong to that group, which is awesome. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know there was groups out there like that. So thank I you for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, if you ladies um, want me to um, make a connection, let me know and uh, send me an email, and I'll I'll set you up with um, the guy that uh, has you know the he, I guess it's kind of invite only, but they do I think an interview process. Um, I, I can't tell you for sure. I just remember talking to him, and he asked, "Can will I join?" And I was like, "Absolutely." <laughs> That's awesome. So hopefully eventually there are more things like that can happen with amongst yes. us. And as we continue with the podcast, this is going to be amazing. I'm excited. But <laughs> anywho, let me taper my excitement. So Ms. Jennifer, Ms. Mariah, what about for you guys? How is it setting up systems? What does your system even look like? Um, that sort of thing. For us, it was really trial and error. Mm. Um, at first, it was you know getting our first client, which luckily we had enough contacts when we decided to start our business. We were able to work for one of my friends who owns her own company as well, so we could be okay. part-time supervisors mm-hmm. because you know no paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> a little scary. <laughs> and through those connections and those clients within a couple private schools in the Beverly Hills area is where we started mm-hmm. to find our our little niche. Um, and then from there, as we started to bring clients on, you know, we did the assessment process and the mm-hmm. billing process. And as we would run into hiccups, that's when mm-hmm. we would start to reach out to people, go, oh, the insurance companies aren't reimbursing. So who do we need to talk to to get the codes correct so that we can get our families reimbursed? Right. Um, and also just, you know, similar to kind of what everyone else is saying, I mean, we, we really developed what worked for us as we went. If something didn't work, then we reassessed it to figure out how to make it work for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we began to grow, then we started being able to delegate a little bit more and bring on people to help with the admin Mm -hmm. process. Yeah, and our first admin person was actually one of our very first RBTs. Yeah, she worked as an RBT for about eight nine months, and then Mm -hmm. she got accepted to grad school, which most RBTs do. Yeah, she was (laughs) phenomenal. We just couldn't lose her, so she went to grad school in Missouri. Right. Yeah. And she ended up being our administrator from Missouri. So nice. still is. Still is. Yeah. That is so awesome. She's handling our client emails, our billing process, our payroll, um, basically any company policies that have to go out. We'll send her an email and okay, this needs to go out by this day. Right. And she handles it all from us remotely. Yeah. That's awesome. So that was a huge, huge shift in responsibility that mm-hmm. really kind of freed up our time to do more, right. um, whether it's training, whether it's staff training, whether it's parent training, progress reports, progress reports. out of network, we have to do them every three months versus well, they every just, six. They just changed it. <laughs> we just got six months. Uh, <laughs> first time yeah. in five years. Oh, goodness. Um, but all reports go through us as well. Mm-hmm. We, um, we do have staff that now are starting to write some as well for us and help with that, but they, we do the final review of everything. Right, right. Um, and, but yeah, so it really, like I said, you know, it just organically kind of 
as we grew, this worked, this didn't, and we would meet to assess what we can do to change things to make mm-hmm. our systems work better, not only for us, but for our families too. And bringing um, on high quality people who wanted to work with us, right. being very diligent in that interview process of how long do you want to be in this field for? Do you see right. yourself staying and becoming a BCBA? Um, cause that really helped us create the synergy and the culture mm-hmm. when we started bringing on people who really got that and believed in what we believed in. Yeah. And want to stay in the field. I think that that's yeah. really important. You know, even our clinical administrator, um, she, she, I was just speaking with her the other day and she told me she's doing her clinical rotation hours to become an occupational therapist. And she's like, I use so much of what I learned from you and Mariah mm-hmm. as far as behavior strategies. Yeah. And so finding people that may not want to stay specifically in the field of ABA, but some that somewhere that's related to it right, really right. helps um, strengthen our culture within, you know, what we teach and how we train. And um, it just really kind of carries over into other fields as well, which, I mean, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I'm sure you do because most people do, but I love it when I meet a speech therapist that has ABA training. Yes. Or a that has ABA training. I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. yes, we're going to go so well together. Yes. It's uh, like, you, you understand me. Yes. Yes. Language. Yes. language. Uh, we have a speech therapist that we work really, really closely with. I think all she of our services clients. almost all yeah. of our clients. Um, and she also has a BCBA. And so awesome. we do regular consults with her. And, and I love it because we both do. Because we're like, yes, you understand. You get it. Yes. And, well, and we, vice versa. And vice versa, right? And we collaborate with her um, weekly, actually, with different clients mm-hmm. and do overlaps with her. Um, and so when we meet and talk, it's always kind of like, you know, behind the scenes, we're talking yeah. about how we can develop things to make it work for our clients. And it's just, it just, the conversation's so smooth. Good, that's good. Um, But that's also something that was really important to us, too, as far as developing systems is we wanted to work very closely with all service providers. Right. So it is a very, very whole team approach. Um, Every single single speech therapist and OT that that services our clients, we do between – it depends on the client and how often they see them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one client, for example, we meet with a speech therapist weekly. Um, sometimes we'll see the the OT monthly and it just kind of depends. But right. we stay very, very close with them to help integrate all systems into practice at once. And not just for us as the BCBAs, we make sure that our RBTs are also overlapping with those speech therapists and those occupational therapists. So they Mm -hmm. become part of that group as well. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, sometimes those BCBAs will do the collaboration and then it'll just trickle down to the RBT and it doesn't always um, get explained or get resolved in in the way it could if you just observe the session. That's so true. So really make sure that our RBTs are part of that team. And I think they really like it too. Um, yeah. I just sent one of our RBTs to go to, I just actually asked her, I said, do you want to go observe a speech session? And mm-hmm. she said, really, I can? I was like, yes, you can. Yes, <laughs> She's like, I would love to. That's awesome. Um, you know, so I think it's kind of empowering for them too and, and you know, giving them some autonomy in how mm-hmm. they see themselves growing in this field and what it can look like from our perspective, if you will. Because um, I think that that's the important thing too is that, you know, the training process is so, so, so important. Right. And, but really, 
the therapist has to feel comfortable in their skin or the RBT mm-hmm. that you're training to really be able to take those skills and channel them outside of a direct supervision session. Right. Um, and that kind of comes within, you know, all domains. I mean, sometimes we're teaching communication, sometimes we're teaching play, sometimes right. we're teaching social, sometimes we're teaching coping skills, it just depends on what it is and mm-hmm. specific, the specific needs of that child. And it can look different, you know, obviously across the board. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of our process. Interesting. So systems are, of course, we know systems are important and having those right people in the right places is even more important when having those systems. But one question I have for you ladies is also, what were some of your barriers to start up? Like, what are some of the things, kind of the walls that you guys hit that for those listening, it's like, hey, don't hit the wall, jump over this wall. (laughs) Don't, you know, don't try to, you know, bulldoze it over. You might need to just, you know, hit it just a little bit at a time. Like, what kind of barriers did you all experience when opening up your own ABA companies? I think for me, it was probably... um, when you get into this, you don't know a lot about business. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a clinician. Right. Right. You know? And so I think giving yourself a little bit of grace and Mm -hmm. time to learn the things that you need to do. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was like really big, especially when you start getting into now having to file your taxes. Right. What does that look like and how does it equate to me as a person? Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel like you don't have to open up an ABA business. Right. right. And I know this is something that you and I talked about is people feel like, you know, I have to open up an ABA business, but there's so many different components. Look at, you know, um, rooted in play. Right. It, right. It's, it, it may have it may have the same principles of ABA, but it, they're wanting to play and they're the BCBA. So your business does not have to look like the one that you work at. Right. You know, if you if you enjoy parent training, then your whole company can just be parent training. Right. And that's OK. And I think um, that's one of the things that, you know, I I kind of went into it as I wanted to have these different aspects and I did that to where Mm -hmm. we work in residential facilities. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you only want to deal with just behavior, maybe working with adults and or just kids and not Mm -hmm. necessarily on those, you know, skill buildings or smaller children, then let's go ahead and let's put you in over in this area. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you want to go work with children, you know, so making sure that it's always um, it's diverse too is, is, and you're playing to your strengths. Right, you know? right. So don't don't go in and say, okay, well, I was looking at, you know, people's care and people's care does all of this. And so therefore I'm going to go do this. And so mm-hmm. you, and you don't have to do that, you know, and I think. I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, takeaway is I don't have to be everything to everybody. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I just need to focus on what makes me unique. Um and that will change mm-hmm. and know that that will change. You know, you go in thinking one thing and I'm, I'm all of these things. Right. And then a year or two later, that's not 
the culture that you've built that's not what you thought you wanted to have mm-hmm. and then like you say you restructure you rebuild you rebrand right and you create what you want okay so, so take your time yeah, <laughs> yeah. Evolve. yeah I think evolving in in your business is it's a constant um it's a constant in your life mm-hmm. Um, it's something that you should kind of always be prepared for because you never know what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs and boundaries and barriers and et cetera that we've had to go through and, you know, some harder than others, definitely. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think the most important thing to do is to remember that it's going to make you stronger when you get through it. Awesome. And we have just as any person or business owner on the planet have come into these situations where it's made our policy stronger. It's made our Mm -hmm. commission stronger. It's made us stronger and it's helped us set clear boundaries for what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Right. Um, And on different, you know, and that's multifaceted depending Mm -hmm. on what it was that we went through. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that's the biggest takeaway is it's hard. And, you know, as noted as well, being a business owner versus a clinician, like you said, Bakisha, we are clinicians. We're not business owners. But at the end of the day, if you want to own a business, guess what? You're a business owner. Yep. You're a business owner. Yeah. And... It's not the fun, you know, that's not our favorite part. That's not the fun stuff for us. Right, right. But it's equally as important. Mm -hmm. And so for us, I think the biggest takeaway was really to make sure you still have that work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. we ticked away and we ticked away and we ticked away. And we are where we want to be, definitely. And and want to grow. Um, But there was a time where it was very difficult to compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I could take a vacation ever again. <laughs> <laughs> she has, by okay, the way. We, we both have. We yes. both have. Good. Many, many times. Um, <laughs> yes, that's important. Yes. Um, so, yeah, again, I think just really being clear with your boundaries and what is acceptable and what's not acceptable mm-hmm. and what is important to you within your business, but within your own personal life too. Right. And, and knowing your strengths, as we said, right. we're clinicians and, and finding those people that you trust who have mm-hmm. strengths in the other areas that you yeah. need. Um, right. For us, the biggest hurdle for our actual business was insurance. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, we decided to go the route that nobody else in California goes and right. be out of network providers. So we had to find someone that we trusted mm-hmm. who knew what they were doing. And ultimately, she's not here in California. She's, she's in New Jersey. Jersey. So oh, nice. Contact her. She's amazing. Share. Um, <laughs> she'll fight your battles. She is a... She was, she's a godsend. She's a godsend. Mm -hmm. She has been instrumental in helping us with so many, so many situations. And not just the insurance. She helped us kind of really dictate our policies and use Mm -hmm. that like lawyer language, I like to call it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how to talk like that. I know how to talk of behavior protocols. Right. Enforcement systems. But when it comes to very systematic and Mm -hmm. rote ways of this is how it needs to be done, we relied Mm -hmm. a lot on her help for that. Yeah. Her favorite thing to tell us is, Less is okay. Right. Right. <laughs> like, okay, that's right. I mean, I think she emailed us three times last week saying, less, less is, is okay. <laughs> less is better. I'm like, okay, okay. But should I say that less is better? 
Right. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, having those people to really help you and setting those boundaries and and knowing that you're going to get through it stronger as a company, as a team, as an individual, um, really helped us get through some of the the challenging things. Okay. Okay. Miss Jessica. Um, I think for me, the, the biggest like roadblock or boundary or, um, wall, uh, really would have had to been the the ability to to delegate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that is it's a skill that's so important to right. uh, being able to maintain that work life balance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to grow your business. I think uh, Lakeisha has had such a great just by learning from her today. She had such this this great ability to delegate things right. and find the people people who are going to do these different things and do them well, that she's been able to be really successful and Mm -hmm. and to grow her business the way she wanted to, um, which is is really amazing. And I think if that's what you're going for, then then delegation needs to be on on the top of your list of skills to to work on very, very early. Um, So personally, for me, that was difficult. My partner is always like, you got to have other people do things. You need to give this part away already. You need to give this part away. So um, the, the honestly, the business partner thing has been so helpful for me, um, just having that, that sounding board and somebody else who's going to help me like realize and remember uh, what are the things that I really like to do and, and, and what can I go in ahead and, and give to somebody else and start trusting somebody else with. Um, and the other thing that I think is really important, and a lot of times very young business owners, when they start or they jump in, um, it, it's very difficult when money starts coming in mm-hmm. and figuring out how to allocate that money, when you need to start saving money, mm-hmm. how much money you should have saved and put away mm-hmm. if something happens, because things are going to happen. Right. Uh, big things are going to happen. Uh, mistakes are possibly going to be made. Um, we we actually just had a mistake um, come up where uh, our workers comp was misclassified um, initially because there was no code for uh, RBTs going into the field. And okay. so we were placed in a certain area and then apparently that wasn't the right area. Um, and mistakes like that can be thousand of dollars right. mistakes right and right. so you've you've got to make sure that you um you budget and you allocate your money in a way that is going to be able to save you from those things right there's there's errors in insurance billing mm-hmm. um and sometimes they overpay you and then you need to pay them back right um right. or if they start taking away from money that you are working in this moment and then now you don't have enough money to to make payroll well that's a problem you need right. to make sure um, that all of those ducks are in a row because something that I take really, really personally with the business is that, especially when we're making decisions regarding, you know, hiring or, or, or firing or laying off or decreasing hours or 
increasing hours. I am worried about my staff. I mm-hmm. My job is to take care of my staff because what I'm providing to them, they're being able to provide for their families. Right. And, and that's what I think about. Um, so when I make these decisions and we're, we're having to do, you know, A or B, uh, the first thing that I need to think about is how is this going to impact my, my staff and how will that impact their family and their ability to, you know, survive. Uh, we're in a very low income area and, and losing hours can be a, a big hit to um, a lot of our staff who, especially our, our BT, our BT staff, like mm-hmm. they've got families, they've got, they've got, you know, big things that they need to worry about That's where um, a lot of times, you know, they're not just college kids who, you know, are still living with parents. Like that's not always the case, (laughs) Um, especially in this area because college education isn't huge here. Um, It's, it's really hard to get people, you know, pushed into that, Mm -hmm. into that higher education. Um, So I think those are probably the, the two biggest barriers that I had um, and worked really hard to, to overcome and, and really focus on. Okay. I have just one more question for you ladies Mm -hmm. before we wrap up this episode. So let's say you've convinced me I'm opening my own company. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to start the process. I've listened to you guys tell me about the systems and how to get started and some of the things that I need to look out for, some things that I need to do for myself to be a business owner. But what are some parting words or some encouragement to, that you would give to me as a budding brand new business owner? And anybody can go first. <laughs> um, I, I would say, and I've, I've met with several people who wanted to start their own business and, and I tell them the same thing is you need to be completely sure about your why. Mm. What is your why? Why are you doing this? Because if your goal is to make money, don't do this. Right. Um, if if your goal um, is to help people, mm-hmm. um, then make sure you find other people who are going to take care of your systems. Right. If right. you've got to figure out exactly what your reasons are for moving forward mm-hmm. before jumping into it. Uh, and remember that everything you do is not only going to affect the lives of the children that you're going to mm-hmm. be working with or your clients, whoever they are, um, it's going to affect the lives of the people you employ right. and their own families. And so, realizing that when you become a business owner, you become responsible and connected to so many people's lives. And you have to be ready for what that responsibility is going to be. Um, and and I, I don't say that to be scary, but I want people to, to realize mm-hmm. It, it really is a big deal. There's, right. there's a lot of lives that you can impact and you want to make sure that you're going to be able to impact them positively. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. So I, I don't know what, who's going first. Go ahead. <laughs> playing, playing double like, no, you right go, now. you go, no, you go. <laughs> um, so I, I personally would say that, uh, it, it piggybacks off of what Jessica says. I actually moved into coaching um, just recently. One, because, you know, I love the leadership aspect mm-hmm. of what you do. And so what I think, unfortunately, 
in our field that we have is we lack leadership training Mm -hmm. and we throw people in positions to where they're not ready to lead. And so if you don't have that um, and you don't know what it means to lead people, Mm -hmm. then it's, it's beneficial to go find out what that means to you. Right. Because a lot of what we do is you think, oh, you know, I'm just going to jump in and I I can just I can do this. I do this on a regular basis, but that's not all that you do. Right. And so in moving into the coaching uh, realm, it um, what I've heard is I I had one of my coaches. She was just kind of we were going through, you know, their mission statement, their values, their personal mission, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what's their philosophy on uh, the services they're providing. And they were just like, does everybody do this? And the answer is no. Right, right. <laughs> the answer, I mean, honestly, is no, you don't do that. You think, okay, well, I'm a clinician. Mm-hmm. These people are getting paid this amount of money. So therefore, I'm going to go do it myself. Right. I can get paid the same amount of money mm-hmm. doing the same thing. And what you don't get is, like Jessica said, if you don't know your why, you don't have your values, you don't and cannot get to where you're going, right. then you're you're going to be frustrated. Mm-hmm. You're going to, um, you know, you you may not quit. I'm not going to say you're going to quit, but you're going to learn really quickly what you like and what you don't like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's going to be and it's going to be hard and hurtful and it's going to be painful. You right. know, um, when you come in, one of the things when I first started, I worked 18 hour days, 18, mm-hmm. 20. I mean, I was working. I have six kids. I have a husband. I I definitely didn't go in this to leave my family, but for two and a half years, I left my family Mm -hmm. to fend for themselves because I needed to start this business. Now, where I am today, people are like, yay, oh my God, that's so awesome. But they didn't see the 18-hour days and the phone calls from the teachers saying, hey, you need to kind of come get your kid. Right. (laughs) You know, and, (laughs) but, you know, but my why was bigger. Mm-hmm. My why kept me sustained. My why is what I tell my kids. My why is why I do what I do. And it's right. not about getting to where I am now. It's about sustaining it for long term and making mm-hmm. sure that over the years that we impact millions of people right. and families. So you, you have to you have to get to the point where you know and are in a place where you're able to be a leader because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not all that, you know, sometimes it's wonderful. And sometimes it's like, you know what? I don't want to talk to you today. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to need you to go over there. And then knowing who you are, like, you know, uh, Jennifer was saying, you know, I, I'm a clinician. Right. And so you're either one, one or three things. You're either a clinician, you're the manager or you're a business owner. And what I found out really quickly was I'm not a manager. I don't like managing people. Right. <laughs> I don't like micromanaging people, which is why I was like, okay, what part of what I do mm-hmm. that you do not like, make sure to get out of real quick right. because you will mess it up for yourself. Mm, that's good. That's really good. I mean, because you, I would think as a someone who doesn't have their own business yet like when you start you start and you do everything but and you but you don't realize or think about how long you will be doing everything so when that that 
time or that transition period comes where you can delegate that that transition period where you can say, hey, you're much better at this. You do it. I'll just check in with you once a month or whatever. You don't really think about it. It's just, oh, I want to start this business. And these are all the things that I didn't think of that I need to do or that has to be done to make it work. So that you ladies are yeah, so awesome. It says has the, have the, um, what is it? Uh, always have the end in mind. Right, right. Right. So, and I think that's what doesn't happen either is you don't have your exit strategy. How long are you going to do this? And what capacity are you going mm-hmm. to do this? Um, what does that look like? I, I've had at minimum three, three to four, just in the pandemic, uh, people call me to want to buy my business. Like, wow. <laughs> so, so if you don't, if you don't have your why, then you're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah <laughs> what I'm does take that the first look thing like for me? <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, what happened to your staff? What, right. Why did you do this? And also, if you do want to be acquired and you do want to open up a business to sell, and that's okay too, did you lay a good enough foundation? Mm-hmm. Right? So that way, that person knows that this is how I want to operate my business. This is how, this is why I grew my business. And those two things align because they're going to get that business and it's mm-hmm. not going to work the same because. There, it, it's it's two different things that they right. want. Right, Miss Jennifer, Miss Mariah, what about you, ladies? What parting words of encouragement or, or uh, even warning <laughs> do you have for those that like me that say they want to start their business? They're sold out for it. They're ready to go. I would say know your strengths, but also know your weaknesses and surround yourself with people who will help you be better with your weakness. Mm -hmm. That way you can create a team where everybody is in their strong suit Mm -hmm. and everybody help each other with the times that challenges come up and people start struggling. You have that team around you to help you through it. Awesome. I I agree. And I, I think also, same as what everyone else has said, understand what your vision is. Mm -hmm. Um, how are you going to achieve your goals? How are you going to develop a staff that has mm-hmm. a similar viewpoint? Mm-hmm. Um, because in an industry that has such high turnover, I mean, that's the number one complaint from most right. clients, right? right. Um, how are you going to develop your vision to then instill into others to carry this out when you're not present? Um, one of my kind of biggest challenges is, is letting go of control because Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that it's done the way that we would do it. Right. Right. Um, but we can't do everything. We can't be in everyone's house all Mm -hmm. the time, every day in and out. We have to have support to be able to grow number one, but also continue to have others carry out our vision for us. Um, so I think that the other kind of selling point too would be to really focus on what your training process is going to look like. Right. What right. Do you want your, what do you want your clients and your, your staff to, to, to know as far as how you're going to support them, how they're going to feel supported and make sure that there's a heavy emphasis on that training component. Awesome. 
Well, first, I want to thank you ladies for agreeing to be on this podcast for your words of just wisdom. I think I learned more about starting a business today than I have in reading any book or looking at any blog post today. So I want to thank you ladies for just everything that you've done today, all the words that you've said, all of the tips and tricks, like it's amazing. And I'm excited about where this is going to go as far as the business roundtable. So for our listeners, if you have any questions for any of our panelists, if you want to know more or there was a top a subject that we didn't broach upon, um, please send us an email at, pod, at uh, podcast at lifewithaba.com. Reach out to us on social media at lifewithaba. And also look for our next post where you can reach out to each of the panelists um, we'll have post, post listings with their information, with ways to get in contact with them as well. So if you have any questions, any comments, or just want to say hi, please feel free to reach out to any of our panelists and look for the next episode of the, of the Business Roundtable edition of Life with Behavior Analysis podcast in conjunction with the ABA Task Force. Next time, we're going to be talking about employees, the paying, the hiring, the training, developing leaders. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of having employees. So stay tuned and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Life with Behavior Analysis podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share also make sure you check out our website for more content see you next time bye